own seven. A-chain trying to change that, and he can quickly. Watch out! Can he get the block to the outside? A-chain, mega chunk play, out of trouble, just like that. Hello, and welcome back to the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. We are here for another prospect preview, and today we'll be focusing on Texas A&M running back Devon Atchain. I'm very excited to be joined by one of his biggest supporters. We got JCJ Dynasty here. How's it going? Good, Zoltan. Hey, good good to meet you face-to-face finally. We're doing this podcast. It'll be a lot of fun talking to our guy, Devon Atchain. So excited. Yeah, and this is a guy I'm, I'm really glad to have you on because – he wasn't an easy eval for me. And the more I get into the process, the more I find myself liking him. So I'm at that position where I'm buying in a little bit, but I'm ready to fully buy in. And and we'll see if you can get me there by the end of this podcast. The the RB4 is his ceiling by the end of this podcast for me. So we'll, we'll see if he ends up there. All right. Sounds good. All right. So uh, let's just start off uh, by talking a little bit about what your process is. I like doing this just because it's really interesting talking to different people about the industry. There's such a very uh, diverse ways of looking at prospects. What, how do you go at looking at a prospect? Are, are you a big college football fan who's, you know, going based off that or how do you look at these guys? Yeah. So, you know, I watch them a lot during the, during the regular season, college football and stuff. And early on when I was in college, I've been out of college for four or five years now, but early on, me and my roommates would watch a ton of college football and we would do mock drafts every week and we would kind of adjust our big boards. And at the time I was cool. doing a lot more defensive players as well as offensive players. So I had more of a, a full scope of the class as opposed to now I'm just strictly kind of watching dynasty assets, offensive skill players, and I'm able to do a lot more in-depth stuff. Now, now I could watch six to eight games of film and I try to do, you know, I try to do probably four or five tape watches of their games from 2022. So their earliest, uh, their most recent season. And then I try to do two or three from the previous season as well, just to try to get a full scope of what it is that they are as a player. Because things change year to year. Coaches change, offensive schemes change. Um, you could even look at, say, Ohio State, where Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were both receivers there with Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Marvin Harrison didn't really get on the field at all. And then the next season, obviously, they're able to get on the field more. So things change from year to year. But I've gotten a lot more into the analytics stuff over the last year or two because I've wanted to try to fine-tune my process instead of just being a pure gut film watcher. We're not NFL scouts at the end of the day, and people that are on Twitter – you know, they want to see what the process is and why it is that these guys were ultra efficient or they were subpar in their college play. So I try to incorporate a little bit of both. Yeah, and that, that's a great way to go about it. I mean, I, I'm kind of similar. I, I don't watch any college football, but, you know, I've been a football fan, obviously, my whole life. But I had the analytics background and now I'm, you know took a few film classes, really trying to get into the film game as well. And Atchain's a really interesting guy, what you're talking about for context, especially looking at him year over year, because he did have an interesting situation where at Texas A&M, he didn't get the full job until this year. Um, he only averaged 11 carries a game his sophomore year, which you know isn't a very prolific number, playing essentially behind Isaiah Spiller. Um, he had about 40% of the workload. What's interesting is that you know Spiller – at this time last year was seen as a potential, you know, top four pick in dynasty drafts. Obviously it didn't work out that way, but even looking at spiller tape, 
I remember seeing at chain and being like, wow, this guy is, this guy's just better. Why am I even watching this, you know, crappy running back? Exactly. And in that 2021 season, Devon A. Chain was actually the team offensive player of the year for that team. So that just goes to show that even during this time last year, Isaiah Spiller, well, maybe not this time because the combine numbers, they came back and it was shown that Spiller just wasn't a very good athlete. But leading up to the combine, he was seen as a as a consensus top three back in the class. Um, And Devon A. Chain regularly outperformed him on that team. Uh, he led the FBS in 2021 with seven yards per carry on his 300 on his 130 total carries. And he's had 11 kick returns over his career, averaging 28.4 yards per return with a touchdown wow. four star recruit out of, out of high school from Missouri city, Texas. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually, I really like his ability to, kind of do everything in all facets of the game. I think we'll get into his, his profile a little bit more as we get, as we get going here, but, and then we saw his, his combine numbers, obviously four, three, two, 40. He came in at five, eight, one eighty-eight, which is heavier than I thought he was going to be. I think he probably played closer to like the one seventies when he was playing so, uh, yeah. as a running back as well Because you typically lose a little bit of weight during the season. Yeah. And, and honestly looking at, uh, you know, he ran a four through two, obviously 99th percentile speed, but, I still think he's faster on the football field than he showed at the combine. I think he probably gained some weight for the combine, which isn't a bad idea given weight is, you know, the number one question mark perhaps of his game. Um, but that's something we'll, we'll get into very shortly. Um, w- one thing that I noticed comparing Spiller to Akane is that, or a chain, sorry, is that he had basically the same number of yards. So he only had 29 less yards and he had 50 less touches. So he, he had exactly 75% of the touches of Spiller and he only had 30 less yards. He had three more touchdowns. You can see why he was voted the player of the year for them or the offensive player of the year. He was just a way better runner, way better receiver, so much more explosive, as you said, contributed in the uh, return game as well. Um, so with that, I, I think we should get on to his uh, junior year. Um, he came out, uh, was really the the number one back for this offense, and he really was able to maintain a much healthier workload than I expected as a guy who's, you know, 5'8", 188. Uh, he had 196 carries in only 10 games. That's, you know, 20-ish carries a game. Still averaged 5.6 yards per carry, although that did drop off quite substantially from the previous year. And he tacked on 36 catches. Um, again, that's basically for a game. He had a above 90th percentile target share. I mean, overall, Atchain showed a lot in terms of being able to handle maybe not an NFL bell cow workload, but at least, you know, 15-plus touches a game. Yeah, I, I think he I think that's absolutely something that he could do. He had 17 percent of the market share in terms of receptions for the Texas A&M offense. Wow. So he was able to really take take a hold of that receiving role as well, as well as the 20 carries per game that he averaged uh, there. Eleven hundred yards rushing, eight touchdowns, um, had career a dot. Uh, 2.8 his freshman year, 3.0 his sophomore year, and then he had negative 0.6 this junior year. So not the most efficient year in terms of uh, getting targets down the field, but he also carried the ball a lot more than than he had in his uh, his previous years. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's something his his receiving game, his versatility is something that really we should get to now. So let's uh let's go into either through the film or the analytics. Um, I I know you use both as your process, so maybe we can marry those together. What did you like about uh, Atchain's game? Yeah, so 
if you look at so we got a guy like deandre swift who is a you know he's a he's a big time ppr guy everybody sees him as a reception hog and and all that good stuff if you look at their college profiles in terms of reception market share receiving yards market share uh rushing yards market share all that good stuff devon a chain is either tied with them or ahead in every single category for mm. all three seasons so if we liked deandre swift's ability to come out as a receiving back in the nfl i don't really see why it is that devon a chain is not given that same that same ceiling since 2005, running backs drafted in round one or two that have weighed less than 205 pounds. This is from the great Jacob Sanderson, who was on episode one of the, the Dynasty Zoltan podcast. Yes, sir. Yep. These are these are running backs that had a receiving yard share greater than 10%. So that would end a 40 time that was pretty good. So Gio Bernard, Christian McCaffrey, Isaiah Speed, Jameer Gibbs, Reggie Bush, CJ Spiller. Chris Johnson and Devon A. Chain are all are all on that list in terms of guys that have proficiency in the passing game and were actually big parts of their team's passing game in college. And as we know, for running backs in fantasy football, we want receiving ability, we want red zone touches, and we want splash playability, which if you look at Devon A. Chain's profile, he actually got a ton of red zone work at his time at Texas A&M as well. So he does all of those things and he did them all in the sec where you're seeing these freak defensive linemen that are running four, four forties. So my player comp for him was Warwick Dunn. Oh, um, so had to dig, had to dig pretty far back because I didn't want to give him, you know, a typical scat back guy because at the end of the day, I believe his skill set is much more developed than, that of a guy like a JD McKissick or something like that, a guy that's just going to be a typical satellite back. I think it's a disservice to Devon A. Chain because he was a prolific rusher during his time at Texas A&M. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's really the crux of the question when it comes to how you want to evaluate him, because as a 188 pound player, and we both said, we think he might've actually played a little lighter than that. There is just almost no precedence for success in the NFL. So if you look back to 2010, James Cook just had the 11th best season of the last 13 years for a guy 190 pounds or lighter. And James Cook had 84 fantasy points last year. It's, there's just, it's not that easy to find upside. Um, there's only 10 seasons, again, in the last 13 years where, an av- where back averaged more than 10 points a game. And five, six of those seasons were Darren Sproles. So it's really been Darren Sproles, Philip Lindsay for those two years, one job and two Javid Best years before the concussions caught up to him. Javid Best, by the way, was actually one of my comps um, for Devon at for at chain. Um, Best obviously was a really good fantasy player until the concussions caught up to him. Um, he he averaged 19 points a game in his uh, sophomore season in, in the NFL or his second season. Absolutely, he's a very good player. Yeah, yeah. So. That's that's the hesitation I have with a guy like Atchain is even you look at a guy like Jameer Gibbs, who's only 11 pounds heavier, and you look at the comps for him, and you can get into the Christian McCaffrey, who weighed 202 pounds, Austin Eckler, who won, who weighed 198. These guys are comparable to Swit, to Gibbs at 199. There really isn't anyone comparable to Atchain. And, and I think that that actually shows on film because he does not play like he's 188. He would not have been able to get the number of carries he received at 188 if that's the way he played and i think that the best part of his game as far as you know 
other than his speed. Obviously, his game-breaking speed, his burst through the hole is what makes him such a special player. But I think his contact balance and the strength of his legs is really impressive for a guy his size. He's not going to necessarily push a pile, but if only one guy hits him at a time, and especially if they hit him at an angle, he's able to bounce off it. And he's so athletic and has such good balance and agility that he can just keep going. So you really need you know, either one guy to hit him square, which I I do want to talk about his agility and his elusiveness in a sec. But if someone doesn't get a perfect angle on him, they're probably not going to tackle him. Yeah, I I completely agree with that, with that assessment. Actually, I do think that his contact balance and his agility through the hole and his vision are all things that make him a candidate to be that outlier that you're talking about, because obviously the data doesn't look fantastic, but I would also make the argument that none of those guys played in the sec and were the first team, all sec running back for their June for their junior season as well. So if he's doing this against this kind of competition, a lot of NFL teams have a lot of players that are in the sec right now, granted they're NFL players and not college players anymore, but he's exceeded expectations every single chance that he's gotten so far in his football playing career. I don't, I'm not going to bet against Devon a chain to not continue to do that. So, yeah. And, and one thing I want to stay focused on while we're talking about his strengths, because, you know, we mentioned the four, three, two, I mentioned his speed, but it is truly game breaking. It, it is in the same realm of Jamal Charles, Chris Johnson, he is not your average fast running back. He will come in as really a kick returner type athlete. Um, in terms of his raw speed. So that's something that can't be slept on because he's going to have that game-breaking ability. Um, I remember Chris Johnson in this 2,000-yard season, I believe he had six runs of at least 70 yards. Um, he has that type of yeah, – I'm a, I'm a closet tight. I'm really a Pats fan, but I'm a closet Titans fan, <laughs> as you can see by my Steve McNair Twitter, uh, Twitter yeah. avi. But, yeah, I mean, he really has that game-breaking speed, and he can use it in the passing game and the running game. I, I do want to talk about his receiving skills a little bit more because what you mentioned about his average depth of target is very interesting. Um, as the secondary back, he was getting a lot more targets down the field. So in 2021, again, while Spiller was on the team, um, he had six targets of at least 10 yards down the field. Um And he had another uh, six targets within zero to 10 yards, you know, and that's only at 24 catches on the season. So about half of his targets would be on the line of scrimmage. His A dot was at what, 2.6. And then it really fell off when he took over the lead role. He was getting a lot of dump offs last year, some screen passes, but really not a lot of like manufactured touches. I I thought the coaching wasn't that creative for him, Um, but he didn't show a lot of I guess what you would say, like route running or special hands. So how do you think his receiving game is, you know, outside just the numbers? Yeah, I think you hit, I think you hit it on the head. If you went back to his 2021 tape, you could see him regularly lining up in the shotgun in the hip pocket of the quarterback. And he, he runs wheel routes that break into a fade down the sideline. He has awareness of where the sideline is. Um, he's really good at tracking the ball as a running back, especially at five, eight, um, obviously not a huge catch radius there as somebody that's a five foot eight player, but he does a good job of hauling anything in that's around him. Um, I would imagine that his, his role in the, at the next level would more so utilize his ability to do that. I believe throughout his college career, he's around 10% in terms of slot or out wide, um, targets. So not a huge sample, but pretty good com- comparative to to, mo- to most running backs in that he was able to line up at other spots on the field other than 
the traditional running back position. I'm getting so scatterbrained though, talking about Devon A chain because I just love the guy so much. Um, I just wanted to go through some of the strengths that I saw like on his film. Yeah, overall. please do. Yeah, let's just, do it. Just because I keep jumping around everywhere from analytics to film, and I just want to get the thoughts out there to the people. Let's do it. Um, so I have in my notes, water bug through the line of scrimmage, incredible lateral agility, elite cutting ability, really good stop start ability. And that if somebody does get, get into the backfield early penetration, he has the ability to stick his feet in the ground. He has good tempo with his feet and that he gets stop and start on a dime ability to erase pursuit angles, obviously because of his, his elite, elite speed. And, and really and good I just vision. Wanna, I just want to step in there for a second because yep. just to met, just talk about some of those strengths because I saw a similar thing in his game. Other than his speed, his footwork and his processing speed was what I loved most about him. He can deal with pressure in the backfield because, like you said, his ability to stop and start is really excellent. What I love about his footwork is when he jukes, he's so low to the ground that he instantly can string together a second move. I, I see a lot of these people juke like. Eric Gray, for instance, he loves his spin move. But when he does the spin move, even if he makes the guys miss, he's out of control. He's already falling over. It just isn't that effective. When Atkane makes it, when Atchane makes a guy miss, he is leaving him in the dust and he is just absolutely gone. So yeah, I, I think his footwork is excellent. His lateral agility is really good. I wish we got to see him do some of the, the three-cone shuttle drills. Um, yeah. but that definitely agree. Those are, those are strengths with his game. I, I think you were getting into talking about his vision a little bit. Um, that's something yeah. I liked as well, but I, I want to get your take on it. Yeah. I think his vision is really good in that he doesn't shy away from hitting a gap. And then if the, if the hole's not there, he could bounce it out because of his footwork, because of his elite agility. And that, that ability that we're seeing on film is backed up by the fact that his rushing yards over expected per attempt for his career is 0.58 yards per attempt. So that's a guy that he's making something happen when the hole isn't there or the play isn't blocked to the best of its ability by the offensive lineman. He's picking up yards that aren't otherwise there. And then good ball security as well. He's had over 400 touches in his college career. He's only fumbled twice. So yeah, that's, which that's, is, that's also which is big, especially for a player, you know, he might be a rookie coming into a timeshare. I, I don't think either of us are expecting him to, you know, be handed a role bell cow roll day one and fumbling is a way to be taken off the field. I mean, I mentioned J James cook earlier. Um, James cook, I believe fumbled <laughs> on his first snap and then didn't play again yep. until week eight. So that's something that isn't really a concern. I, I think James cook didn't have a fumble in college either. So, but maybe not the best comparison, but either way, um, yeah, I, I like that chain's vision as well. I didn't love his kind of, when I look at a running back, you know, there are several decisions that they're making throughout the course of a play. I didn't always love the first decision that he made. I felt that his eyes would often get to the second level before getting to the first level. And sometimes he could be surprised a little bit, not necessarily by, for instance, a defensive lineman getting interior pressure because he's good at handling that. But sometimes he wouldn't see an extra linebacker coming over, um, making it a two on one on the hole he's about to pick. Um, but what he was great at was looking at that second level processing and setting up angles for himself to use his speed. So he was able to push outside just a little bit, half step extra, and then bang, cut up field, make that linebacker overcommit outside. He could do the same thing the other way, where even on a play that was designed to go outside, uh, you know, talk about a stretch play or even a toss play, 
he'd make just, you know, a little hesitation, a little fake upfield, try to get the linebacker to suck into the hole. And then he would just absolutely abuse them outside with his speed. So I, I do think that vision is something he can, he can work on, but he has vision. He has good processing. And I think I don't see a reason why he couldn't have good vision in the NFL with some good coaching. Yeah. I hundred percent agree with you. hundred percent agree. Yeah. You know, how many games did Devon A. Chain have, did, would you say that you watched? Probably like six or so, probably between so, like those, those two years. I would say I would say eight to 12. I can check right now. Okay. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So I watched yeah. I watched four games from 2021 and five from 2022. Good. Yeah. I think I think it's good. I think it's good, especially for his profile that you take a look at what he looks like as not a bell cow running back, a guy that's probably a more translatable role to an NFL team. And then a role to where he did have the workhorse role. He did miss two games in 2022 with a foot injury. Um, but then he came back the last game of the college football season for Texas A&M to where they weren't playing for anything. And they knocked off number five LSU and yeah. he had 38 carries in the game for 215 yards and two touchdowns. So I think that kind of speaks to his overall ability is just being, you know, I don't want to say a dog because like, I mean, how many times does that get thrown around and stuff? But just <laughs> no, just I mean, his ability to be to be a gamer, you know? Yeah, it's it's fair. And like I look at comps for him. Again, they're all players who are 10 to 15 pounds heavier, but for me, it all comes down to his receiving ability. Cause I ultimately I just don't think he's effective enough between the tackles. Uh, he has good footwork to get between the tackles, but if someone makes really solid contact with him, he's not falling forward the way that a guy like you know, Bijan or Charbonnet or Kendra Miller might. And that's fine. They're, they're different players. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I look at the players who really succeeded at a young age, despite not getting more than 120 carries, let's say, or 150 carries, let's say. And it's all guys like Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift. These guys all got at least 50 targets. Most of them were getting upwards of 80 targets. Um, Austin Eckler is an interesting guy to look at. His second season, he had 106 carries. He had 53 targets. He had almost a thousand total yards, um, and he was, you know, a mid-end RB two that season, despite only getting 106 carries. So that's the type of season that I think Achain can have as a rookie, as long as his receiving work holds up. And I wanted to dive into this a little bit more. It's weird. He's not that great after the catch. And he had a few huge plays after the catch, especially on screen plays. But a lot of times when he's running in the flat or dump offs, he wasn't incredibly elusive after the catch. And I think for me, a lot of that comes down to just reps. I think he'll be better at that. There's no reason he shouldn't be with his, you know, athleticism and, you know, skill set. Um, but that's something that I need to see improve because there were just a few too many times that he didn't make the one-on-one -on -one guy miss. And when I'm scouting a running back like Achain, I need him to make that guy miss 85% of the times on a dump off, right? You need to make that first guy miss. And he did it sometimes, but maybe it was 75% of the time. Um, and again, this is where sample comes in. This is why when you watch film, you should be coding a lot of your plays, making sure that, you know, sample bias doesn't come into effect, but either way, that's just one part of his game that I think he could stand to improve. Yeah. hundred percent agree with you. I think the other glaring weaknesses in his game is obviously his pass blocking. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you're a five foot eight, 188 pound guy. I mean, elephant in the room, 
you're probably going to get cleaned up by an edge by an edge rusher that's coming off or a safety that's unblocked and you got to pick up that guy. But I think if you if you watch James Cook for like more more on into the season, he learned what it is that he was supposed to be able to do and he didn't take on guys, you know, on the upper body, he just chopped them. So I think that's that's something that you got to work on. But I think he's shown a willingness to do it. I don't think he's afraid to do it. It's just a matter of you're a small guy. So we got to work. We got to make sure technique is great. And to be honest, for a guy like Atchain, like if you're a good enough receiver, your pass blocking barely matters. So it it matters if you're, let's say, Ramondre Stevenson, where you want to play all three downs. The Patriots love to leave their running back in there to block. And if you can't block, you're going to get taken off the field because half of the third down routes you're staying in. You know, if 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 a guy like Atchain and a guy like James Cook, they're only going to be asked to block on 15% of their snaps, right? Of their pass snaps. So it's it's not that huge of a deal as long as he can show effort and be good enough at it. You know, like in basketball, they say mouse in the house. There's definitely some outside linebackers licking their lips when they see a 188 pound guy back there. But, you know, that's something he can improve on. Um, looking at his numbers, that's essentially his only quantitative statistic, like below average, even below the 65th percentile, really. Um just throwing out some other numbers there at chain was in the 89th percentile on 10 plus yard runs. And that's even given his volume 95th percentile in adjusted yards per team attempt 94th percentile in elusiveness. Even his yards after contact per attempt was in the 77th percentile showing how, again, he's not going to push a pile, but he can stay on balance after he gets contacted. So, you know, he's an excellent player. I, I, I use both film and my data model in my first time running through on film. So I, I really, and I would recommend this for everyone, don't watch someone all at once. It, it really is helpful to watch a few games, take a little time off, come back a few days later. Um, my first time watching him, I hated him. He was like a 30th percentile player for me. Um, and I'm, I'm usually scouting every running back who gets drafted. So that that's not very good at all. And my quantitative model was yelling at me saying, what are you thinking? Because he is right now, eighth in my quantitative model, the top seven, Javante, Jonathan Taylor, Bijan Robinson, Saquon Barkley, Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, and Jameer Gibbs. So he oh, is man. right. I mean, it's exciting, right? And that's not yeah. even, that's not factoring in potential draft capital. So that of course matters, but that's really exciting. So I have to go back and say, listen, the numbers are telling me something that my eyes didn't see. And every time I go back and watch him, you know, the little things that annoyed me at first, annoy me a little bit less because these explosive plays are just really hard to miss because they happen all the time. Preach. I don't even have anything else to say. I mean, I think, I think, I think you sold everybody that's listening that he's a, he's, he's a, he's a heck of a player. He's my RB three in the class. Yeah. And, and I, I can't, I can't really blame you there. I mean, looking at his, he's in the 95th percentile of my quantitative ranks, even when you factor in my film grade, which isn't that high on him, he's still in the 88th percentile. So my, my board right now is telling me he's my RB three. I, I will have Charbonnet higher because I just think Charbonnet is a better player, but my board is telling me he's my RB three and it's, it's tough. This is why you have a process. So you don't go against it. And my process is yelling at me that Atchain is going to be good. Now let's talk about one elephant in the room, what his draft status will be, because ultimately that's going to be huge for a guy who needs to be an outlier. You can be an outlier on size. Those happen obviously not all the time because they're outliers, but they happen. 
you can't be an outlier on size and draft capital because if that happens, then you're Philip Lindsay. And then even if you have a good season, it won't matter because you just don't have the draft capital and coaches are biased. So do you think Achane's going to get the draft capital? Where, where has he been trending? I do. So if you go to NFL mock draft database, his average, his average draft slot is 64th. So that that's, that's a late round two pick. It's an early round three pick. Speed kills in the NFL. It's something you can't teach. It's something that is quantifiable. It's something that you don't even have to go into a spreadsheet and look at. You just have the guy run on the field and just look at him. He's he's an athlete among athletes. So I think an NFL team, especially one of those teams that's picking later uh, in the second round, a competitive team that wants another playmaker that could push them over the edge in a league that is constantly trying to get the edge on offense. He's I think he's a second round pick and. I would be very surprised if he doesn't, if he's not at bare minimum, a day two pick. And, and unlike, uh, unlike at wide receiver where speed, you can be used as a decoy. And there's a whole host of players who, you know, test really well at the combine and don't do anything when you're being used for your speed as a running back, it's because you have the ball in your hands and he's explosive enough to really demand that all the time. Looking at the late second, early third round, because I agree that that is, I mean, obviously that's where he's trending to go. And that's where I would grade him out as a player. That's a really good place to go. As long as you're going day two, you're fine. Especially if you're not going, you know, Bijan Robinson, 94th pick in the supplemental end of, end of round three, day two. You know, if you're really going in the top 70, 75 picks, that means a lot. Uh, what teams in that range do you see as a good fit? Because the one that sticks out to me like a sore thumb is the Denver Broncos. And I love, love, love Javante Williams. He he is probably my favorite player I've ever scouted. Uh, but he's coming off an injury. It's a really bad one. And I think they could supplement each other really well. Achain could play the role that Michael Carter played with Javante at UNC. Um, I think that would be a perfect fit. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome, right? I mean, Sean Sean Payton coaching Devon A. Chain and getting everything that he can out of a out of a playmaker of that caliber. I think that would be a great fit. I I mean, if you look at Miami, like that's another team that they run like a wide zone scheme. They have Raheem Mostert, but how many times has he been able to stay healthy throughout his entire career? Now you're able to plug in a guy with with Raheem Mostert like speed. I, I he's probably faster, but. Raheem Moster was a track star as well during his time in, in college. So that's another great fit. Kansas city, obviously would be a great fit. Um, I even think Chicago would be a pretty, would be a pretty good fit for him with, with Justin Fields in, in the backfield. Unfortunately, you know, you can make the argument that mobile quarterbacks don't throw the ball to the receiver. So I suppose that wouldn't be great for Devon chain's fantasy value. Um, but I think I it would think be a really good fit do- as a team. Yeah, and I think what it would do, similar to how Josh Allen opened up the field for James Cook. By the way, I, I know I keep mentioning him. I don't have James Cook as a comp in terms of the quality of player. Um, I think Atchain's way better. But in terms of their strengths and weaknesses, you know, it's a similar system that they're going to thrive in. And you saw how Cook did that with, you know, he. I think he had the number one uh, expected points added per rush. And that's because he's playing with Josh Allen. And Justin Fields might subtract the receptions, but he's going to give it all back in opening up rushing lanes. I, I think you could see Atchain averaging five and a half, six yards a carry um, in an offense like that. Um, so you mentioned he was your RB3. Uh, where does that put him on your overall uh, rookie board? Let, let's talk. Let's talk Superflex. Yeah. Um, so I have Zach Charbonnet as my RB two. 
So I have. Oh, yeah. Well, we so, have to have a Jameer Gibbs talk at some point. Yeah. Or or maybe a Bijan Robinson talk. I don't know how crazy you are, but yeah. no, 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 no. So I would probably feel very comfortable taking Devon A. Chain around like 109, 110. Um, and it's it's dependent on draft capital, obviously. If he if he doesn't get the prerequisite draft capital, then he's gonna he's gonna drop down the board. But I I would feel very comfortable taking him there, you know, after the quarterbacks, after Bijan, after uh, JSN and Quentin Johnston, I would feel, I feel pretty good about taking, about taking them probably like that mid, that, that mid to late first round. I would feel. Yeah. Good. And, and it seems like whoever the RB four is, and that's very much TBD based on draft captain landing spot is going to end up around that one Oh nine range, probably around Jordan Addison. Uh, maybe Josh Downs will leave us. There's going to be some decisions there. Um, I have, so I, I don't even have, at chain technically in my running back rankings, I just have RB four in there. Um, and if we look at that RB four is in the same tier right now as Nick Chubb, JK Dobbins and Najee Harris for me right around the, uh, including rookies that would be in the 16 to 18 range for overall positional rankings. Is that kind of where you see him falling in? Yep. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly where I have him. I have him, I have him running back 16 in, in my rankings right now. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense, right? You look at, you know, Najee is, has a lot of volume, but hasn't done that well. Nick Chubb is, you know, constantly a low-end RB1, but he's 27 years old. Atchane's got the youth on his side. He's got that value upside on his side because if he does even have an RB2 season, we saw what happened to Miles Sanders, DeAndre Swift. They, you know, Miles Sanders' first year, I, I got to look up these exact numbers. I'm pretty positive he had exactly 50 catches. And the next season, he was going basically at the round two or three turn. Cam Akers had a big ending push to his season, basically at three decent games uh, just based on volume and was going at that two, three turn. Yeah, Miles Sanders had 50 catches on 63 targets, only 800 rushing yards his rookie year. And that got him to be a top 30 dynasty pick. So there is some upside for Atchane. Um you know, it'll still come down to draft capital landing spot, of course, but he is a super talented player and he's not a guy that you want to sleep on because I, I think there's a high likelihood he could be a steal in drafts just because people will be sleeping on him due to his size. Yeah, people and we'll drop one more James Cook reference that people were people were taking James Cook too high last year. I actually really like James Cook coming out of last year's last year's draft. I thought he had a very good skill set that could have been used for an NFL team. Unfortunately, he went to one of the only teams that really just doesn't throw the ball to the running back at all. So then yeah. that's by far his best, his best skill set. He's not even close to being as good of a runner between the tackles and vision wise as Devon A. Chain. So yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. All right. Well, thanks so much for hopping on to talk about Devon A. Chain. Uh, JCJ Dynasty will be back on the Dynasty Zoltan podcast soon to speak in a, about another uh, prospect TBD, uh, but it is a very exciting one. Uh, do you want to tell everyone where we can find some more of your work? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JCJ Dynasty. I'm the director of content for Dynasty Domain. You could find all of our YouTube videos over there at Domain Fantasy uh, Football Channel on YouTube trying to get to 2000 subs before draft day so if you could hit that subscribe button and like the videos and stuff to come out that would be great and then we have our locals page um www.localsdynastydomain.com so go ahead and check that out as well 
Awesome. Yeah, definitely give him a follow on Twitter. Give them a subscribe. Um, I can tell you to all my listeners, the easiest way for me to get the very best guests is to have guests come back and tell me I got X bump in my Twitter following. I got X bump in my own podcast after, because then I can go tell that to other guys. And, you know, if you follow me, obviously we want to get some more great guests on here. Um, so thank you very much. This is the week of prospect previews. We're going to have one every day. This might be the month. We might have one every day of the month. Um, but this has been Devon Atchain. Tomorrow we will be talking Israel Banakanda uh, with FF Snoog. Uh, you might remember him from my uh, Jackson's with the Jigba prospect preview. So talk to you all soon.